This is The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. On this show, we're going to speak to the independent creators who make the games that you and I love. I'm your host and the DM of Sounds Like Adventure, Jack Trainer. Hey there, we're back again. It's another episode of The Table Business. Hey, it's me, Jack. How you going? Really, really great episode today. We're talking all about NPCs. What makes a good one? And better yet, what makes a bad one? Today I'm joined by H from Roland Dirty. They're a really cool independent tabletop creator who focuses on NPCs. They're making NPC packs that you can just dump straight into your games ready to go. So we start out today's conversation by doing a deep dive on NPCs. How do you make a good NPC? What's some things to avoid? And you'll remember from a few weeks ago when we spoke to Boss Jellybean that there is this really cool women and non-binary folks of Threadstream coming up and H is going to be a part of it. So to get us excited for Fade Ark Eclipse, they're going to tell us all about their character. Okay, with all that in mind, let's get into it. H, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? So to start things out, Let's know a little bit about you. So you are a TTRPG creator. You're making some really cool stuff. But just in a few sentences, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I am mid-30s, queer, neurodivergent nerd. Uh, pretty pretty typical with all of those addendums. My life is pretty much uh, 3Ds. Doctor Who, D&D, and Dreadlocks. These are my, my biggest passions. Of course, I have many, many others because see neurodivergent. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, that's good. I think I think the the three Ds is a good start. And another great place to start is I always like to know everyone's sort of origin story into the tabletop world. How did it all begin for you? Well, when I was younger, uh, I had heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I wasn't allowed to play, but it wasn't the whole Satan Satanic Panic thing. It was more of a let your brother have that thing with the boys because they always made him take me to his friend's house, and that was like the one thing she wanted to let him have. Um, she doesn't seem to remember that though. Um, (laughs) then years, years, years later, uh, I moved to Texas in the end of 2016 and very shortly thereafter, I had met a few people. Uh, Let me back up a little bit. Uh, a couple years before that, there was a couple friends of mine that I had met that wanted to play uh, Vampire the Masquerade. They've been playing most of their lives and I went all out creating a character. I went so far as to draw on grid paper the layout of this girl's loft apartment. Like, wow. I went all out and we never played. So when I moved down here and I met some friends that played Pathfinder and D&D, I was like, please, 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 please teach me. I want to play. I want to play. I want to play. And right around this time, I was getting uh, right back into my writing that I've been away from for like 10 years. You know, so I was really, really like, I want to play. I want to play. My roommates and I started and we got two sessions in and it stopped playing. And I'm like, come on. And I met this guy who's been playing since the beginning. You know, I've been playing since he was a kid in the 80s. But I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged. And he made me wait. He wanted to make sure that I was committed. And I was. And I knew after session one that I would want to be a DM down the line. I'm passionate about games. I say I'm a rules lawyer, but I mean this in the least like popular connotation. Like I like knowing how games work, why they're balanced the way they are, why the rules. Like I like to know the rules because that helps the game be facilitated the way it was designed. But I did like what D&D had to offer in the like open 
interpretation of the rules that was really attractive to me. And then it just kind of grew from there. Like I've been playing pretty much consistently every week, at least one game since then. So six years later, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And tell me a little bit about Rolling Dirty now. Uh, Rolling Dirty, I started back in September of this past year, 2023. And basically it started from the fact that I absolutely love creating NPCs and world building. I ran into a problem in my game, my home game. Uh, we play online and I have a real book nerd in my party. And he want, of course, he's a wizard. He wanted to go to a library. And like, that wasn't something that I had had built. It wasn't something that I had mentally prepared for in any way, although I probably should have. And I was like, wouldn't it be really cool if like, there was just someone out there who had like these and these groups of NPCs themed to a particular place that a DM might not think to prepare. They could just grab it. And now you have a whole cast to, to work with for those of us who aren't great at improv. And so I just started taking them all and putting them down uh, on paper and creating exactly that, to be honest. This is a problem I run into. Like improv is something I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, but improving a character's, you know, motivations and making them feel unique and like they're a complementary part of the world that makes sense and they have their like own interior world and other things going on. That's next to impossible to just pull off without any forethought at all. So I fully agree with you. I think this is such a cool idea. Just talk a little bit more about some of your philosophies um, around NPCs then, because I'm I'm curious, like it's obvious you have a bit of a passion about this. Why is NPC something you're passionate about? I think it all boils down to immersion for me. I think the more love and effort that goes into NPCs, and honestly, I think I, I think this also comes a little bit from video games too. There are some video games where it's like Skyrim is per is I love Skyrim. I'm I, I it's one of my top five games. But if I have to hear some of those lines one more time, I might punch my screen. <laughs> um, it doesn't feel super immersive because you're hearing the same thing over and over. They're literally the world does not exist until the player gets there. And I don't want D&D, at least at my table, to feel like that. I want it to feel like the world is a living, breathing thing, that there are events going on outside of what you're doing. And maybe what you're doing is causing other big world events that are turning in the background while you're solving that first problem. Um, And I think NPCs is a great place to start with making that feel super immersive without a huge amount of world prep. You know, if you can just make a few NPCs, they don't even have to be super memorable, but just feel real, you know. And then if they latch on to one of these NPCs, you already have that. Like, what is this NPC trying to accomplish? What do they know? Where do they live? What kind of items do they have? Do they have any magical items? Do they have any heirlooms or artifacts? Are they poor and destitute or are they affluent? You know, what are they wearing? What kind of materials do they wear? And I think that that really adds to the immersion uh, in a relatively simple way. What do you think makes a good NPC? Good is relative. Okay, good, a good NPC, the, the opinion of a good NPC is, is, is entirely relative. You know, you might have a party of people where two of them think this NPC is pretty awesome and, and a good, well-thought-out character, and the others might be like, it's basic. I think besides traits and motivations, the next thing I focus on is the related NPC section. I think having relationships with other characters really makes it easier to flesh them out. It makes it sometimes, honestly, sometimes I have to do the related NPCs before I can even type in the blurb 
their relationships with other NPCs, their relationships with NPCs the party already knows. I think that's probably one of the one of the things that makes them more rich. Mm, that's such a great point as well, because you make the NPC packs as well, don't you? That's correct, yeah. So you like center it around a location or something and then have a group of NPCs that are, can be in any one of those locations. So I'd imagine in those, the relationships are extremely important. It's actually really funny because the next two packs are not only going to be related to themselves with all the NPCs interacting, um, they're actually going to be related to each other, uh, the packs themselves. They're not, so there's going to be some crossover. Wow, that sounds extremely cool, something to, to pay attention to. And then one more thing on NPCs. When you see other people making NPCs and you're like, gosh, I wish people wouldn't do this one thing. I wish they wouldn't make this common mistake. Is there anything that comes to mind? Overused stereotypes. Um, I like to mix. I like to, uh, and I sometimes I still struggle with it myself, but I like to mix up stereotypes. Like I might have a character that's like maybe really shady looking, maybe looks like they're a criminal or a rogue or, or something of the sort. And really, they're just an upstanding guy with a with a particular aesthetic. I like to I like to break or bend stereotypes. Tropes are tropes for a reason, so I really like to play with that line. But when I see a bad stereotype, when I see a stereotype done, like sometimes I'm just like, oh my god, come on, can you be a little more original? <laughs> but that's also judging somebody else's work on my own abilities and scale and skill. So. Well, it's, I think it is definitely valid, though, to to approach something and think, what is my audience going to expect when I present this character to my audience? And how can I subvert those expectations? How can I provide red herrings? How can I send them down the wrong thought pattern then to make the eventual reveal that much more impactful? So let's talk a little bit um, about something that's coming up for you that's really exciting. So we recently had Boss Jellybean on the show, and she is running a very cool women and non-binary folk of thread stream called Fade Dark Eclipse, and you're going to be involved in this stream. So how'd you get involved? Oh, I'm so excited for this. Uh, seriously, the more I thought I was excited before, but we had our session zero on Sunday, and I'm even more over the moon excited. She's already so great. And I, it's already evident how much of her heart and soul she's put into it. And honestly, how I got into it is she made a post on Threads. She was like, would anybody be interested in this? And I'm like, absolutely. I was like, I tried to, I told her, I was like, I tried to get a nice gender balanced table for the game that I'm running. And I ended up with all cis men. Um, they're not all het, but they're all cis. And like, after a while, we've been playing since May. And after a while, I'm just like, okay, I want... I want to play with some girlies though. <laughs> and she said this and I was like, I'm in, like, I need, I need more um, women and non-binary in my TTRPG, my personal TTRPG space. Yeah. I just volunteered and was like, me, <laughs> me. It seems extremely cool. Boss Jellybean's idea for this campaign just sounds amazing. If you're interested in what it is, I suggest go back to listen to the episode with Boss Jellybean because she just paints it so extremely well. And we did this as well. We had Alejandra on the show as well. Um, she's going to be a part of the stream too. So to get people excited, can you give us a little teaser of your character? Oh, um, okay. Well, Roz is a halfling dampier shadow monk. She is has been in 
seclusion in her own little cabin in a realm of dread for the last 20 years. Uh, she grew up in this place, but not at this cabin. Something happened. She, you know, became a dampier. And uh, I don't want to go too much into that, but she makes her own. She has uh, this 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 dark interest in like taxidermy and like she wears a lot of furs and bones, a little bit like a ranger or a druid, but it's because she's making use of all the parts of the animals that she's uh, eating. And so she's very independent, very self-reliant and very antisocial. <laughs> Super cool. I'm so excited for this. And and tell me a little bit about her aesthetic. Like I said, she, she wears a lot of ferns and bones. She's very pale. She's got these long black dreadlocks that are up in like a messy bun, kind of like this, <laughs> with a lot of like, again, bone uh, beads and wooden beads and um, bone jewelry. She's got tons of necklaces and stuff made out of pieces of bones and teeth and stuff. She has heterochromia. So she's got one, uh, one icy blue eye and one green eye. And she's got a tattoo on her arm that sometimes when you look at it too long, it like shifts a little bit. And then like a crop top and some of those the, like baggy like monk trousers of course trimmed with fur like fur belts fur trim you know stuff like that all handmade all handmade this sounds so so cool you've really outdone yourself um so for anyone who is excited to check that out that is a fey dark eclipse that's going to be on the boss jelly bean channel and it's coming up very soon so uh to wrap things up i always like to ask a couple of recurring questions what's one thing that people don't realize about independent tabletop creators like yourself I think probably how much time we actually spend on this shit. <laughs> like, I could be hanging out with my friends, just sitting there talking, um, you know, having a few snacks, and my mind is on this. Like, I have left them for a moment to come in my office and, like, make notes or, like, type something up real quick. And we're just always thinking about it. At least I am. Yeah, it's like this past weekend, I allowed myself to play some Cyberpunk 2077 instead of doing work on podcast stuff and yeah, immediately paid for it. Sunday night was a nightmare. Monday night was a nightmare. Working on it to like 11.59 when the podcast drops at 12.01. It's like scheduling and typing, like, please make it into the thing before before 12.01. And yeah, we made it. Oh my God, I've done that at the end of every month. Uh, not every month, but a, cu a couple of months. I've been like, oh my God, I'm working till like even after when I normally go to bed. Like, oh man, yeah, just to get that deadline. Like I've imposed that deadline, but it's still a deadline. So like, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I'm actually going to uh, uh, New Orleans this weekend for Mardi Gras. And so like, I'm going to try and actually take a break because I have some stuff coming up that's going to be like, boom, 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 boom. And like, I'm already dreading this, like it's going to be creeping in my mind and my computer's going to be nowhere near me. <laughs> okay, awesome. You'll have a great time. Uh, question two, tell me about the first character that you ever had in a tabletop game. Oh man, the first one I actually got to play was actually with that first DM that taught me how to play. He ran me through a one-on-one -on -one and he had, a, he had a DMPC to help me along the way. We had actually taken my Pathfinder character that my roommates had started and tried to port it over. And it was absolutely redonkulous, okay? I tried to multi-class and multi-race. Like, I was, a ch I was a changeling drow. I was a witch rogue. 
And it was so much to keep track of. Like, and honestly, I don't remember much about her adventure. It was pretty small and pretty simple, pretty classic. But yeah, she was, I bit off way more than I could chew with her. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You could tell you were really keen to play for a long time. You jammed four characters into one. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, I was like, I want to do all the things. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And then third question, when you think back to your time spent around the table playing tabletop games over the years, do you have a favorite memory or a favorite story? The one that always first comes to mind was a group I played online with my brother as the DM and my then boyfriend was a part of it and a couple other friends I'd met through the brother. We were doing Rise of Tiamat. We were in the final boss battle. I don't remember which spell it was. I think it might have been an altered wall of force or something. One of my fellow players cast a spell that domed over where Tiamat was trying to rise up because we were getting overwhelmed with the minions and we couldn't deal with the heads and like Two of them had already emerged and were like, oh, my God. So they just creatively like took this wall of force or whatever spell and like domed it over Tiamat and was like, time out. No, you wait. We'll be right with you. And we just swept the minions up real quick. And then we just like get back down in the hole. <laughs> no. Um, we ended up, we did end up defeating her and getting the, the masks. And actually that group is on hold. We were supposed to come back because we all took the different pieces of the, this mask and went to hide them somewhere. Nobody else would know where they were. That's, that's my absolute favorite thing. Cause it was so, it was the first really big creative wow moment that I saw somebody do. And it was just really, really cool. H, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. If anyone's interested in finding out more um, from you, where can they find you? I'm on threads primarily, but I can also be found on TikTok where I do release a video every time I release a pack. I'm technically on Instagram as well. It's at RolandDirty5e, but I don't post a whole lot there. If you really want to find me and interact, you, you definitely want to look on threads. H, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I feel... So honored. Thank you. You've been listening to The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. If you'd like to know more about anything we spoke about today, all the links for all the people that we spoke to are available in the show notes. Or head over to soundslike underscore pod on Instagram and we'll definitely be talking about them there. And if you liked what you heard, why not check out Sounds Like Adventure? That's our main show. It's an actual play podcast with fun role play, short run times, and great sound design. But to make sure you don't miss the next episode of The Table Business, make sure you subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And a five-star review really, really helps to get a few more people to see the show. And we here at Sounds Like Adventure, we would be so grateful if you took the time to do that. All right, with all that in mind, we'll catch you for the next episode of The Table Business.